Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We are on episode 27 today. Got a great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking with my buddy, Ray Edwards. Now, if you haven't heard Ray... Ray is one of the smartest guys, maybe the best guy in the in the galaxy. I'm going to go that far. I was going to say on the planet, but we're going to take it a step further and go with the galaxy. Is the best guy that I know for copywriting. And if you're not familiar with Ray, he's worked with major clients. He's done copywriting for people like Tony Robbins, right? Like some big wig people, some big wig speakers. So he really, really knows his stuff. And part of what I really, really like about Ray is he, he's really good at taking copywriting and breaking it down into frameworks, like really, really practical step-by-step -step application for various types of industry. And so Ray, actually, he and I, we walk through in this episode, in this conversation, talking about for a speaker, how you can use copywriting and how to use it effectively. And so we talked about it, how not only you should use it on your website and on your sales page and, and anything that you're really offering as a speaker, but also we talk about how you take copywriting and kind of, we oftentimes think of copywriting as something that happens where putting words down onto a paper or onto a screen of some form. But copywriting can really be translated as well to any presentation or speech or public thing that we're giving. And so we talk about that as well in terms of how to create and structure your talk to tie in copywriting. So really good stuff here. We actually, we only have about a half hour where Ray and I talk here. We have a lot more that we could have got into. And so here's what we decided to do. Ray put together a free gift for you guys. And so we're going to link that up. You can go to thespeakerlab.com slash copy. Yeah, thespeakerlab.com slash copy, C-O-P-Y, copy. So definitely stop by, check that out. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my interview, my chit chat with my buddy, Ray Edwards. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my buddy, Ray Edwards, here to talk about the world of copywriting. So Ray, how are you, man? I am fantastic and even better now that I'm talking to you. Ah, uh, stop it. We got to uh, hang out recently in uh, Nashville. We uh, convinced you to come to town. I think there's a lot of people that convinced you to come to town briefly. And we, we've crossed paths here in Nashville a time or two. And one of these days, we're, gonna, we're all going to work together and conspire to get you to move here. So hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later. It's like there is a conspiracy. It is. There's this magnetic pull here to uh, to Middle Tennessee. So one of these days, we'll get you out here. Now, obviously, we're, we're going to be talking about copy and how copy affects a bunch of different parts of speaking. And I think, you know, on the surface, there's a lot of... It's easy to think that, well, you know, I'm a speaker and I use my words from stage, but, you know, copy doesn't really apply to me because it's not like I'm writing something to sell. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think copy applies to speakers in a lot of different ways. We're going to touch on some of that today. But first of all, just for some context sake, why don't you give us a... Uh, a quick snapshot of your business, how you got into copywriting, and maybe even a little bit on what you've done with speaking. 
snapshot. I used to be in radio. I started in the broadcasting business when I was 14 years old. And I did uh, that for about 30 years, a little over 30 years. And I did a lot of public appearances and speaking in that realm. And then toward the end of that career, I started speaking at conferences in that business. And I actually ran one of the biggest conferences in the industry for a couple of years, the Country Radio Seminar. And uh, I would say I ran the agenda committee. I didn't handle the really tough stuff like all the logistics of getting the speakers in the right places and the right times. And But I did uh, help select speakers and think about how they would benefit our audience. So I've been in the speaking business from that side of things. And then when I left radio, because it was a dying business, and I saw that the internet was going to have a huge impact on the broadcasting business, I decided, well, I'm going to move to where the future is. And that was online. And I started doing marketing and promotion for people online, just transferring my skills and experience of advertising, promotion, writing marketing copy, and got to work with some really great clients right up front. And so I had the privilege of working with people like Jack Canfield and Tony Robbins and a lot of well-known people. And Robert Allen is one of the people I was most thrilled to get to work with. If many people remember his book, uh, Nothing Down, that was one of the first business books I ever read. Believe it or not, I was a kid, but I was fascinated by it. My mom was in real estate. So I had this experience of writing copy and creating promotions for these people. And if you noticed, there's a thread here. They were all authors and speakers, and I was fascinated by that world. So I started doing that. I started speaking at conferences, talking to people about how to do their own marketing, about how to promote their stuff, about how to sell their things using words, the power of words. And, you know, speakers are an interesting lot because I find that there's, to me, and I could be off base here, but it feels like there's three kinds of speakers to me. There's the person who's gifted and that can be to their detriment because they think they're the be all and end all and they never work on their craft. Then there's the person who has some talent and really works on their craft really hard. And then there's the person who doesn't think they're any good. They aren't any good and they don't work on their craft. And yet somehow they still being speakers. They still end up being speakers. I don't know how that happens. They're good copywriters. But but what's interesting to me is that there's a direct correlation. A lot of times speakers think that, well, because I speak. And as you said, you know, I use my words from the stage powerfully and I I influence people. I move people. I get them excited. I get them to raise their hand and stand up. But the question is really, do you influence their behavior? And are there patterns of communication that can cause that to happen intentionally? And the answer is yes, there are. And there's just little things you can do as a speaker, like just one, for instance, and this is copywriting. This is what I think of as copywriting from the stage. If you are going to sell a product, a book, an audio program, whatever, at the end of your talk, and it's uh, 40 bucks, let's say, or 100 bucks, you can do a little something that we in the copywriting business call price anchoring. And you can talk about how, what your consulting fees are, and maybe they're $1,000 an hour or whatever, $2,000 a month, whatever the price is that you charge to consult. And you drop that little bit of information sometime during your speech, you've anchored a high price. And then later when you say, I have a, an audio program, on how I run my business and how I would consult with you if I were helping you run yours. And that's $50 at the back of the room. Well, you've anchored this huge price earlier, and now you've given a small price for something that is available right now. And that is copywriting in verbal form. And what I find is a lot of speakers don't know the techniques of persuasion patterns that we use in copywriting that can help them build their business as a speaker in so many different ways. I like the way that you put that because uh, copywriting is, or speaking is basically copywriting, but you're doing it verbally. 
And to do that, most people, you can't just shoot that from the hip and, and hopefully that it comes out eloquent and it sells something, but ultimately, or not even sell something, but just getting people to take action of some kind. And I think you're exactly right there that a lot of speakers are guilty of, you know, they were a nice speaker, but they didn't really either have much to say or they didn't cause us to do anything different. You know, and I think it's a good speaker is always someone who's getting the, the audience to think about how does this apply to my life and what do I do as a result of this? So taking that copywriting skill and applying it to a, a live setting. So first of all, let's talk about this. There's a bunch of different ways that copywriting can be used for speakers in terms of, of being on stage or your website or just beyond the stage of selling any type of, of product or service or, or tool or anything. But let's just talk about like some copywriting basics. If I'm listening to this right now and I'm like, I just, I know squat about copywriting and I have no idea where to even begin to make copy good. Like what are some things I need to be thinking through? What are some questions I even need to be asking? Well, I would start by thinking there are, I've got a couple things I want to share if we have time. Uh, one is uh, what I call the seven keys to more powerful copywriting. And these are just ways to think about writing copy. They aren't specific tactics, but they're ways to think about it. And we're talking about writing copy that appears on a web page or on a brochure or that you're speaking from stage. Whatever the communication medium, the approach is the same. And these seven keys apply. And they are, number one, begin with your desired result in mind, or as Stephen Covey would put it, begin with the end in mind. Right. And that just means know what you want to have happen after people experience your copy. Do you want them to buy something? Do you want them to sign up for your newsletter? Do you want them to call you? Just know what you want them to do. And it's interesting and amazing to me that often when I'm talking with clients or doing a consultation, I will ask the question, well, what do you want to happen as a result of this? And often the answer, Grant, is, uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about <laughs> right, that. Right, right, right. Yep. Uh, that wrong answer. You need to know. Uh, number two, tune in to what our friend Michael Hyatt calls the world's most popular radio station. And that's WIIFM. What's in it for me? Yep. And what that means is they don't care about you. They don't care about your story. They don't care about your history. They don't care about your funny anecdotes, except if those stories, history, and anecdotes connect to their reality in a way that's meaningful to them. So if they can see themselves in your story and the things that you're telling them about yourself, then that's powerful. But if you're just talking about yourself because you're trying to, quote, be relatable, uh, that's not so helpful. And we're still talking about copy now. I'm not necessarily talking about speaking, although you can use these techniques in your speaking as well. Right. I was going well, to say, not to interrupt, but uh, like as you're going through these, I think as you're, if you're staring at a blank screen, working on a new talk and working on a presentation, like these are all just valid things you got to think through beginning with the end in mind and figuring out like what's in it for the audience. Why am I giving this talk? So I, I'm totally with you that I think that all of this relates to not only writing down, but also what you're presenting from stage. So this is good. All right. So number three. Perfect. Uh, and I'm going to give you these. And then I'm, I have a framework that you can use as just a kind of a, an outline to write sales copy. And we can go through that really quick. It'll take about five minutes if you want to do that. Sure. Number three is ask yourself, does this pass the so what test? And so what that means is you read it and you say, well, could anybody possibly hear this or read this and say, well, so what? And if the answer is yes, then you need to think through, well, so what? Well, the so what is this? This is the reason this is important. And then you need to delete what you just wrote and write down the thing that you're now thinking of, the thing that really makes it important if somebody says so what to it. And that sounds kind of nebulous, but so often people write copy or they give a talk that's designed to sell or motivate behavior and they haven't really thought through the fact that they have no material in their presentation that's compelling to the listener or the reader 
to make them want to do something. The response of the reader or the listener is often, so what? I, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And you can't have that. You can't have that happen. Number four is write liberally. And what I mean by that is not a political thing. It means just pour it all out in the initial draft. If you're writing a speech, if you're writing a sales letter, if you're writing an article, this is kind of graphic, so I don't know, you might want to edit this out, but I call this the vomit draft. No, we're leaving that in. You just kind of throw up on the page and you want to get it all out. And only after you've done that, can you examine what you come up with and say, okay, this, this part I want to keep, this part I want to keep, that part's a little too rough. But that's the only way you're going to get the best, most impassioned, most persuasive communication out of yourself is give yourself permission to just throw it all up on the page. And then you come to step five, which is edit ruthlessly. And that's where you go through and say, well, I can't say this because I'm speaking to Liberty University. So clearly I can't use that language or I can't use that example or whatever's appropriate for your particular audience. I just was talking with a friend of mine who has a program where he teaches people how to leave their terrible, enslaving corporate jobs. And he was talking about, you know, getting books to speak at corporations. And I said, well, there's, there might be a conflict there. That might not be the venue for you because that audience, the workers might want to hear it, but the people who are hiring you aren't going to be too happy about right, you right. attacking that subject. So you got to be ruthless about your editing when it comes time to cut things and decide on the angle of your approach. Number six is read it to real people. This is so important and nobody wants to do this. And I tell this to thousands of people and I suspect that only a few dozen of them have ever actually done it. But when you have written your copy or your sales letter or your email or whatever it is, go to a real person who's not in your business because if they're in your business, they're weird like you. They don't understand how real people operate. Yep. And you need to get with a real person. Often your spouse will be a good one because not only are, is your spouse a real person, they will not. They are ruthless. Get, yep. they, they, won't, they won't let you get by with your usual BS. They will, they will tell it like it is. Yep. So reading it out loud to a real person is important because it's only in doing that that you really experience that discomfort that comes when you realize, just as you read a phrase, you realize, I can't say this. This doesn't feel right to me. It's not hitting the mark with them. She's got that look on her face that says, I just made her feel disgusted. Whatever the, the case is, but you'll never find those things unless you put yourself in front of a real human being and engage their reaction and their response. And then number seven is what I call do the only test that matters. And people in this business grant in this online selling business, talk about, you know, you should test things. You test your headlines, you test your offer, you test your price. And I kind of roll my eyes now when people talk about testing because most of the people who talk about it don't do it. <laughs> and the fact is there's only one test that matters. And that test is, do they buy? Do they buy your book? Do they buy your product? Do they book you to speak? Do they pay your fee? If they do all those things, then you know it works. And if they don't do all those things, then you've tested it and you realize that didn't work. I need to try something else. So those are the seven keys to writing more effective and persuasive copy. Yeah, and I think all of that applies to you actually getting on stage and speaking. I mean, a lot of this is stuff that I teach on just how you develop your presentation. And I like that you, and that third one there, so what? You know, two things that I always tell uh, speakers is you always have, the audience is always asking, so what and now what? So what and now what? Why, like, why should I care about this? Why is this important? And now what? What am I supposed to do as a result of this? The other thing I like there is, kind of six and seven there of reading it to real people and then just kind of testing it is the the idea that whenever you're writing 
a story or a joke or some type of point or something in a presentation, you really have, it's all an educated guess on a screen until you actually give it to real people. And then once you give that to real people, you can figure out like that worked or that didn't work and you can pivot and adjust accordingly, but it's all just an educated guess until you actually interact with real people. So I uh, like this. I would totally agree that this all can apply to putting together a presentation to putting it together an actual talk that you would give from stage. Well, perfect. And then my challenge to speakers then would be to start thinking about how do I integrate the primary function of copywriting, which is persuasion? How do I integrate that into everything I'm doing? Not just my speaking from stage, because I find that speakers tend to focus a lot on their craft, which is wonderful. I absolutely applaud that. But I would like to challenge you to think beyond just your craft and think about your marketing and your business and the systems that you put in place to help you get booked, to help you get rebooked over and over again by the people who loved you and to help you sell more of your products, your consulting, your books, your services, whatever other things you offer. Because all these principles apply to that. And then you need to actively think about what I, I call this integrated copy. And integrated means you integrate the principles of copy of persuasive communication patterns into everything you do from your business card to the way your phone's answered to what's on your website, to what you say from stage, it's all integrated. And as Ken Davis puts it, he says, sometimes everything you do should point back to everything else you do. That's a good way of putting it. Okay. One of the big pieces of any speaker's marketing toolkit is going to be their website. And website is obviously something that copy is going to affect in a lot of ways. So a website is going to be one of the first places that a potential decision maker or potential client is going to look at to determine whether or not this speaker or this potential speaker may be a, a good fit or not. So what are some maybe things that we need to be thinking through on a website specifically that speakers need to be aware of that could really make or break us uh, whenever potential clients are looking at what we uh, do? Well, this is a great question that so few people ever really ask because the first question is, who is your website for? Is it for the people who book you as a speaker or is it for the people who see you speak and want to buy your books and think you are the stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. Because that's two different audiences and I think it's two different websites. Maybe it's two different pages on the same website, but I, I frankly think it's two different websites. The website for people who are going to book you as a speaker needs to be focused only on that. And it needs to be focused on WIIFM. What's in it for me? The person who's going to book you to speak. And there are certain things that I want when I'm looking for a speaker, if I'm the person who's responsible for doing that in my organization. I want somebody who is impressive, who makes me look good, and who doesn't embarrass me. Those are the three things that are most important to me. Yep. They're impressive, they make me look good, and they don't embarrass me. And then there's a whole substrata of things that go along with that. They show up on time, they fit my budget, they entertain my audience, everybody feels good after they talk. My bosses think I'm brilliant, they think I did a great job with the budget. There's all these little other things that you need to be thinking about, but... That website needs to focus not on you and how great you are, although you have to communicate that message, but it needs to focus on what's important to that person who's going to make the decision and sign the line, which is dotted. And here's how you do that. This is where the framework that I talked about earlier, the persuasion framework, I call my pastor framework. And I chose the word pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, on purpose. It, uh, for most people, it means the preacher, but it really originally meant the shepherd and what does the shepherd do? The shepherd protects the flock. So I like to tell people, if you ever have felt icky about selling, then the reason is you are not approaching this as a shepherd. You are approaching it as the wolf. 
I'm going to sneak in and eat some sheep. Mm-hmm. You will feel terrible because that's evil. But if you approach it as the shepherd, I'm protecting the flock. I'm making sure they're fed. I'm keeping the predators away from them. You're helping people make a good decision. You're shepherding them to a good decision that's right for them. So if you think about your writing your persuasive copy to get that person to book you as a speaker, for instance, and you're thinking about it as a shepherding process, you will never feel pushy or salesy or gross because you won't be coming from that place. You'll be coming from a place of, I want to help you. And maybe helping you means I don't come and speak at your event because I'm not the person to do it. But maybe helping means I'm exactly the person to do it. And so I also use the letters of the word pastor as an acronym to build out the framework structure of your message. And so I'll just go through those real quickly. The P in pastor stands for person, problem, and pain. You're thinking about the person that you're writing to or you're communicating with. And we just were talking about that person, the person who wants to book speakers and the problem that they face. And we know what the problem they face is. They need to find somebody who fits their budget, who is good, who doesn't embarrass them, makes them look good and so forth. And the pain that they experience is uh, they've been embarrassed before. They've hired speakers that showed up late or didn't do the talk they agreed to do or went too long, went over time, actually billed them for a lot more money than they're supposed to be paid. All those kinds of things that if you just talk to people who book meetings, they'll tell you the horror stories of what has happened to them. So understanding all that stuff is really important as you're writing your copy because you start the copy with, you know, something like you say, tell me if this sounds a lot like your experience. You try so hard to book the right speaker for your events and you're just trying to make sure you get somebody who delivers good content, doesn't embarrass you, makes you look good and uh, serves your company well. And you've had horror stories and you kind of relate some of the things we're just talking about. And then you move on to the A in pasture, which is for amplify and aspiration. So you're going to first amplify the problem. So you're going to say to them, and it's in effect, what will happen, Grant, if you're booking speaker, what will happen if you book the wrong person? Well, it could cost you your job. It certainly could cost you the next raise. You're going to have an uncomfortable talk with your boss. It could hurt the sales of your company as the sales force is not motivated, but they're demotivated. It could have so many far ranging effects. This could be a terrible problem if you don't figure out how to do this well. And then you move quickly to their aspiration. Well, what do they want to happen? Well, every meeting planner has a fantasy in their head and see if you agree with me. The fantasy is they book you grant to come speak and their fantasy is, well, when that's over, my boss is going to come to me, give me a raise, give me a promotion, give me a corner office, ask me if I want to take an extra two weeks vacation because I'm the hero. That's totally true. And in fact, one of the things that we just internally with my assistant and I, we always talk about is that is that a speaker is one part of a lot of moving pieces that a conference planner may be dealing with. So the more low maintenance we can be, the easier we can be to work with. And then whatever we do on stage is a representation to that client. And so even like you alluded to, you think that you're being brought in to present a good talk to that audience. And yes, that is true. But part of what you're being hired to do is to not embarrass the person that brought you in and to make them look really, really good, to make them the hero. And so even a little thing like I know for us of whenever we were talking with the client and then we meet the client's boss to tell the boss like, hey, I just want you to know that working with Ray has been phenomenal. Ray's done such a great job with this conference and event. Like again, making them look good because that's part of what they are looking for. That's part of that aspiration that you're speaking to there. Yes, totally. And then so the next part of the formula is the S and it stands for story, struggle, and solution. And this is where if we're, again, writing to the meeting planner, we can tell the story of how, you know, I saw this early on in my business as a speaker and I 
struggled with understanding what uh, meaning planners really wanted, what was important to them. And so I, you tell a story that's appropriate for you. Maybe you got to know somebody who plans meetings. Maybe like I personally ran these big seminars for the radio broadcasting business. And so I understood totally what you wanted in a speaker because I was responsible for bringing in all these different speakers and they had to be good and people had to love them and they had to be cheap and they had to be no trouble to deal with. Right. And they had to not embarrass us. And they had to show up on time. There was dozens of them. They had to be in the right place at the right time. There was a lot of moving parts, just as you just described. So you might tell that story if you had that experience and then you might explain. And then the, I saw the solution. I saw the light uh, and the light was, I understood this is my job as a speaker. And then you move quickly to testimony. And this is where you get other people, other meaning planners, people like the person you're writing to, to stand up and testify on your behalf. And you want them saying the things that you want your new meeting planner that's going to hire you to be saying six months from now. And so that's going to be things like, man, when I hired Grant, I was thrilled. I've never worked with a speaker who's been easier to work with. I felt like he was just, actually felt like he was my servant. He did everything. He sent me all the materials I needed in advance. He thought of things I didn't think of before I even thought of them. Uh, he showed up early. He stayed for the entire conference. He didn't just dart in and dart out. He was available to talk to people. My boss thinks I am a genius. I would work with Grant anytime. I would recommend him anytime he needed somebody to come speak. You want meeting planners saying things like that, and hopefully they're true. Uh, should I guess I should say this. This should all be true. There should be no lying. I'm, I'm curious. So let's, let's talk about the testimonial thing for a second, because I think sometimes people wonder like, okay, I went and spoke and right afterwards I got some nice pats on the back and attaboys. How do I get a good quality testimonial? Because the testimonial that I may get may be, you know, maybe a nice, like they did a good job, but that doesn't really work for translating into like a strong testimonial that another client may be looking at. So is there any way to tell them like, do I need to tell them specifically what I'm looking for or yes. like put it into like, take their words and just kind of rephrase it and get their permission to use it. What's the best way to go about that? This is what I recommend doing. Write it out in advance, give them an example and then give them a series of questions that produce that example and say, Hey, you know, if like, if you just spontaneously told me after the event, you said, wow, Ray, that was really a great job you did. You made me look good. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you back sometime. And I might say to you then, well, Grant, I'd love to, what would really help me is if I could capture that just on my iPhone, would you mind sharing that so that I could use that to show other meeting planners? And you do it on the spot because the longer you wait, the less likely it is that it's going to happen. If the you less wait fresh it is too. Yeah, exactly. And so then I would first get them to say what they just said and capture that. And then I would say, I've got just a few questions I'd like to ask you if that's okay. And then you ask them questions that will elicit the responses that you want. And you give them instructions. You say, you have this planned out. You say, look, I've got four questions I want to ask you. And what I'd like you to do is, after I ask the question, just pause for two seconds and then answer the question as a complete sentence. So it might be, question number one might be, well, what was your hesitation, if any, before, what is your hesitation normally before hiring a speaker to come speak in an event? They pause two seconds and they say, well, you know, normally my hesitation before hiring a speaker is if I don't know them, if I don't have any references, I'm not sure they're going to show up on time and deliver what I really want. And then your next question might be, so what was different about the experience you just had with me? And they pause two seconds and they say, well, the experience I, that was different that I just had with Grant was he showed up early and he showed up prepared and he showed up with free stuff to give to my attendees. And he was always on time and he always looked presentable and he hung out and talk with people. It was amazing. 
And so you just have these four or five questions that you ask them that elicit the responses that you want to get. And then you say, thanks. Should you do this on audio or video? I would do it on video. My recommendation is, and you know, you can get fancy. You can have somebody come with you who has a camera and a mic and you can do all that stuff. But the truth is what I've discovered is most speakers won't do any of that. Right. And it's really, honestly, it's just fine to use your iPhone or your smartphone with a video camera in it. The, the resolution on those things is stunning right now. You can get 4K video on your iPhone, which is, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago. These 4K cameras cost $100,000. Now you have one in your pocket. Sure. Um, so you get it on your iPhone and then later you can edit out the parts where you're asking the questions. And the advantage of doing it this way, some people cringe because they think, well, the lighting's not going to be good. The sound's not going to be great. That's true, but there's going to be no doubt that this testimonial is absolutely real. And that's the most important thing you can have happen. Right. Gotcha. All right. So we've got uh, the P-A-S-T, T testimony. What's the O? O is for the offer. And this is what you're selling. And so in the case of getting booked to speak, it's that. It's just book me to speak. Sign the contract, send me the check, and let's get to work. And so now what most people mess up here, Grant, is they think that the offer is just the details, the deliverables. I will arrive there on October 1st. I will speak. You will pay me $2,000 and uh, you will pay for my hotel and my airfare. And you'll give me a check on this date and for 50%, you'll give me a check for 50% of the second date. And that's how it all works. Well, that's the deliverables and the details, but really the offer is about the transformation that you're bringing. So what you're doing is you're saying all the deliverable stuff, but you're saying it in the context of what you're actually doing for them. So it would be something like, so if you're ready to bring in a speaker who will make you look good, who will thrill your audience, who will have your bosses turning somersaults to make you happy and make sure you stay with them for a long, long time, then the thing to do is bring me in and watch me help transform the environment so you can concentrate on the other details of your event without having to worry about your speaker. And to do that, we just need to do the following three things. Click on this button, fill out this form, call this phone number, whatever it is you need them to do. But the offer is, here's what I have to sell you, but you must frame it in the context of, because it's going to do all these things for you. And I promise you, no other speaker is doing that right now. That's not how they're doing it. You will stand head and shoulders above them. So we've got person problem, pain, amplify, aspiration, story, struggle, solution, testimony, uh, offer. So just kind of explaining the transformation, which leads us to our response. You ask for the response. So probably for most of us who are speaking, the response is going to be call and check for my availability. You don't want to say call and book me. You don't want to say fill out a form to book me because it's too much of a commitment you're asking for somebody. What you want to do is have them just check your availability. See if you are available. See if it's a good fit. It's a, Not only is it a non-threatening sales approach, it is also kind of a takeaway selling approach. It's like, well, I might not be available. Right, this right, might not right. be the right kind of group for me to speak to. Um, and that just makes people do what? Want you to speak for them even more. Right, so right. they booked that call. Right. And I like it. It's, 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 it's more of a casual thing. It's not this high pressure, you know, call for a, or fill out this form for our sales pitch. It's like, no, no, let's just, this doesn't commit you to anything. Let's just have a conversation. But I like just leading them to some type of call to action. What is the, the, re, what is the action that you want them to take as a result of going through that? Awesome. Very good. Any like summary thoughts with all of that? Well, that framework can serve as an outline for the kind of website we just talked about. You can also use it for anything else where you're making a call to action. So if you have a different website where you sell your books and your audio programs and your video trainings and things like that, use that same 
formula and structure the pastor outline to create the copy for those products and services. And the call to action there is click the button and order your digital access right now. And then you can do the same thing with your live event materials on your product table. So it applies no matter the setting. You can use the same framework to create a persuasive pattern of communication to get people to move, to take an action. And one of the things that I really like about all that, Ray, is that you always teach, and you know I've been following your stuff, and you teach in frameworks. And frameworks make it really, really simple to apply in a lot of different situations and circumstances. That it's not this, you know, go write good, compelling copy that takes gets people to take action. Well, it's like, ugh, what does that mean? Like, well, how does that, how do you do that? But like, I mean, even everything you've walked through here is like, it's almost like that, uh, that Mad Lib, like a fill in the blank, like just you know, the, what is the specific pain? What is this person? What is this problem? What is the, how do you amplify that? What's the aspiration? And just like literally walking it through. And like you kind of alluded to there, uh, you have this framework, but it, you can apply it in so many different ways. And so you can apply that when you're writing a book, when you're selling a book, when you're writing a talk, when you're creating your website, when you're creating a course, when you're selling a live event, when you're selling your coaching or consulting or writing an email, there's so many different ways that you can take with the frameworks that you teach and apply them to what it is that you do as a personal brand both online and offline. So let's wrap up with this. I know that we've covered a lot of ground here and you've given us some like phenomenal frameworks and training here, but I know you've, you've, there's only so much we can cover in the amount of time that we have. So you've put together some additional resources that we can go download. So kind of talk us uh, through that. We've got a, uh, a four video training series that we're releasing at the time that this show comes out. It'll be just a couple of days from now. And we are walking you through not only the framework that I just shared, but several other different frameworks that will help you craft your audible or visual sales talk, your video or text sales page, the emails that sell to both the people who want to uh, book you to speak and the people you want to buy your products or your services or get you hire you as a consultant and how to do all that more effectively. And so we walk you through all these frameworks and their video training lessons. I give you templates. I give you, they're like Mad Libs. You said it, it's filled in the blanks. You can just insert your language and have a good rough draft of your copy written in just a very few minutes and you tweak it. And we're giving you all this stuff in this training system. It's totally free and you can start using the material that we give you in this system immediately. And if you will, it's my prediction that you'll start seeing more people signing up for your newsletter, more people inquiring about booking you to speak and more people buying your books, your products, your services, your consulting. Love it. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to link up to all of that. You can find all of that over at thespeakerlab.com slash copy, thespeakerlab.com slash copy. So that's where you're going to find everything that, that Ray was just talking about. You're definitely going to want to check that out. A lot of free, great training there and resources that Ray has. So if you like what he talked about here, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com slash copy. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat with copywriting ninja, Maven, Wizard, Ray Edwards. Really good stuff there. Hey, like I mentioned, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com slash copy. Again, that's thespeakerlab.com slash copy. Going to want to get some more of the free stuff that Ray offered that we talked about there in the episode and in the interview there. As always, definitely stop by thespeakerlab.com anyway and check out the show notes links, everything we discussed and talked about there. Again, you can find all of that over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We will catch you next time. You're awesome. <laughs>